Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. She is a legend, a brilliant writer, and all of the things. Let me welcome, for the first time to the show, Marsha Warfield. Hello. 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 Legend. Good to see you. Ah, uh, Okay, also, Lamont's here, of course. Dante's here. And then... Uh, I invited him in the first hour because we we're going to talk about his performance in Atlanta, but he decided to show up because he was talking to some people d- more important to me. George Wallace is here eating and chewing and spitting and stuff. Hi. <laughs> Look, yeah, there he is. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All of you are comedians. So we have, we're, 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 I feel like this this could be it, Lamont. This could be the, the dream. It's like right oh, here. Oh, yeah. This one, yeah, this is one of the cities right here. Um, yeah, well, as long as nobody runs up and slap nobody, we yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. L- let me just say, I don't think anybody in this room, except for maybe Lamont, could get slapped. It, it, it could go down. <laughs> it could go down. Yeah. I don't think okay. it could go down. <laughs> okay. Not, the red hat just makes you just want to just knock that off. But yeah, I, I can't see anybody ever slapping you. With, uh, so since you brought it up, Marsha Warfield, um, the diciest thing that ever happened to you while on stage, because you've been doing comedy for uh, about two years times. Yeah. Yeah, I've done it a little while. Um, you know, all kinds of things can happen while you're on stage. Uh, I'm surprised so many people are surprised that things huh. can happen while you're on stage. Uh, I had a man in San Francisco uh, threaten to kill me on stage. He just stood up and said, I'm going to kill you. And he was serious. Uh, but really? luckily, uh, the audience had my back, and all of the men in the room got up, surrounded him, grabbed him, took him out, and they came back, and we continued the show. Hold on. What did you say that made him want to kill you? He was just in that mindset. It didn't mm. matter what I said. Oh. <laughs> he just felt that away, and so he just got mad, and... I was the one he took it out of. I love that mm. the community gathered him up. I, I need mm-hmm. to see more of that, by the way. Yeah, that was like, good. That was like good. the guy that uh, uh, stormed Dave Chappelle. I mean, you mm-hmm. had Jamie Foxx and other people come out the audience to, to you know, to, yeah, his arm was on backwards when they finished yeah. with him. I was like, <laughs> that's interesting. But it don't always have anything to do with you. You know, people... Mm-hmm. Just like you walk by people on the street yelling and screaming and, you know, getting in people's faces and stuff. They can buy tickets to a show sometimes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Never know who might. This might be the time and you might be the target. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think comic comedians have to uh, get out of this. Oh, it's just a joke mindset and understand that they're, you know, shooting loaded Bullets at, at the audience. Words are very powerful, and uh, right. and you never know which one's going to hit which target the wrong way. And so you have to be prepared that at any moment, somebody can take it sideways. Mm. Um, you and George, to more of an extent, um, George has been here since, uh, I think, Moses came down with the tablets. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he and Methuselah were, were hanging out at one point. But comedy, the, the story arc of comedy, like, is this the most dangerous time? Because comedians usually pay attention to what's going on in the world. Y'all are you're not just a reflection, but you are some of the most genius 
folk in terms of disseminating what's happening to the rest of us. Is this the most dangerous time that you can remember as as comedians? And I want to hear from all of you in terms of your ability to be able to say the things that need to be said without, you know, you know, I know we had Lenny Bruce and others who would get arrested during a period of time. Mm-hmm. But where are we now? I'll it's no, it's no worse. I mean, not at all. In fact, uh, the fact that we've had Lenny Bruce's and Richard Pryor's and George uh, uh, Carlin, Carlin, and and uh, I was thinking of Dick Gregory with George Carlin's name in my head. I don't know why, but Dick Gregory and those people who who uh, pushed the envelope, who opened those doors, who took mm-hmm. uh, the punishment, who arrested on stage. Uh, uh, not booked, uh, can't do television. Um, all those kind of things have made it much easier for comedians now. Comedians get away with saying things we would never uh, allowed to say. And to be on television now, and you can say words, the seven, you know, uh, Carlin, seven, seven whatever, words. dirty words, mm-hmm. plus their parents, you can say words that you can't say to your mother, you can't say at dinner, but you can say them on cable television. So I think um, people might be uh, a little too spoiled. You know, they're so used to being able to say things that when they they get a little pushback, they're shocked. But we used to have to have every line approved before mm-hmm. you could do a TV spot, and they were going to cut something. So what we would do, if we wanted uh, a bit or a line that we knew was going to be cut, we'd put a worse one in there too and submit that. So they go, oh, no, you can't talk about the Pope having sex. They'd take that out, and then they'd leave the joke that you wanted to tell. But, I mean, I don't think things are worse now. I think people are uh, just have more outlets to complain about it they have social media to talk about it all right now now to that point personally i'm just this is just me being curious you know you're you're a seasoned vet do you feel like as a funny person you've probably been funny all your life do you feel like the older you get the funnier you get well the older i get the more license i have to say what the heck i want to Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the best part about getting old is is you can be uh, crotchety for mm-hmm. no reason. <laughs> you can just, you know, when you used to look out the window and see them damn kids, you just said them damn kids. Now you can go to the doors, get off my grass, you damn kids, because <laughs> mm-hmm. you're old and you can get away with stuff. But I don't know that I'm, uh, I, I like to think I was funny and uh, funnier than I knew when I started. Mm-hmm. And uh and that I'm growing and still developing and learning and taking it further. Some of us grew up with you as Roz Russell on Night Court, you know, um, and of course, Richard Pryor, you wrote for him to no, be, I you, 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 I yes. did write on the Richard Pryor show. Paul Mooney wrote on the Richard Pryor show. Somehow, somewhere, somebody said something about writing on dope. I, I don't know. I think that. we saw you on the roast with Richard Pryor, Robin Williams, Paul Mooney. I remember that that roast legendary. And I mm-hmm. think I, I must have assumed that, too. Okay, so you never yeah. wrote? That was part of the Richard Pryor show. That was the, like, I believe it was the last thing we did mm-hmm. uh, on, the, on the four 
show run. So um, no, most of everything I did on that show was scripted and mm. uh, not by me. You know. <laughs> I did work with Mooney and I had, had Mooney write for me and I wrote with Mooney at, on subsequent projects, but not on that one. Mm. Breaking in um, on the heels of a mom's Mabley who, you know, had to be clean in some places and not in others and the coat switching and the, you know, having to navigate uh, these spaces. What what was one of the most difficult obstacles to overcome? Being gay. Uh, and I, she never did. Uh, so um, all of the other things uh, we talk about, everybody talks about, but nobody talks about her uh, being forced to be closeted. Uh, and quite possibly that's why she had to be a character because she couldn't be herself. And uh, I think that was the biggest taboo uh, that uh, I don't know that we're still over completely yet. Talk about it. Talk about it, Marsha Warfield. Where well, are, where I came out in my 60s. That came out on Facebook. Um, <laughs> finally, after the, the um, the Ellens and the Rosies and the Wanda's had the courage to break those uh, uh, taboos, to, to you know, to open those doors, um, and I was just getting back into doing stand-up. Um, I just put it out on Facebook one day, and and they didn't storm my house, so I, I owned it <laughs> from then on. That was a possibility. Shoot. 866 All right, so so we were talking yesterday actually about Netflix is a joke uh, because we were talking about Netflix and how um, doing this major comedy festival is such an opportunity for so many people, but it also gives Netflix a whole lot of co- uh, content that doesn't cost what it costs Bridgerton to make, which is $7 million an episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, your thoughts about the opportunities now with all of the streaming platforms, because we Ida Rodriguez is part of the family, Flame Monroe's part of the family, we like Joyelle Nicole Johnson's part of the family. They all have specials. There's so many specials. We were talking about Earthquake a few weeks ago. Um, the opportunities now, and then is is it more viable monetarily for you as a comedian going back out? Um, I don't know. You know, I don't know about more viable. Uh, monetarily, the um, these kids are hustling in ways we didn't have to. Uh, they're making all of their own opportunities, and if they don't, they don't have none. I mean, it's just that simple. This we had uh, the comedy club boom. Uh, George and I started when the the comedy club boom was just taking off. They were just starting to franchise clubs and opening them up around the country. So. You could get on a circuit or two and make a living, pay your bills. I mean, you wasn't ever going to get all that famous doing it, but you could work. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, these kids are working, you know, open mics and, you know, got to bring five people and uh, sign up in advance, <laughs> fill out an application. I mean, they got all kind of stuff. And they have social media, um, which can be lucrative for one in a million people, but for most people, you know, they're paying you $2 on a thousand views or something. And uh, so it's it's a different, uh, uh, the technology drives the opportunity mm-hmm. and the technology now has, has taken them in a place that I have to learn and the young people 
know it. Daddy got it down pat. They know how to handle it. Marsha, it's interesting you talk about the technology. Um, what I think is interesting, too, is there's always been like the 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 chitlin circuit and then there was the mainstream circuit and it seems to me like with the streaming uh with streaming and all these streaming uh, platforms and so on there is a wider scope for different voices so in my and you know in my with my experiences like there were chitlin circuit comics and there were there were mainstream comics and now with the social media i feel like you can bridge both sides can you speak to that a little bit well there was always crossover when you say chitlin circuit my mind immediately goes to lou Rawls, right credited with being the one who come up with the term right chitlin circuit and he learned how to do the kind of of performing that got him paid in supper clubs and right. in concerts on that circuit. He said he, well, you know, Lou Rawls was known for his uh, monologues, mm -hmm. introducing songs. Of, I'm from the South Side of Chicago, it gets colder than Hawthorne. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, he learned how to do that, which was very lucrative in the supper club, higher mm -hmm. end places later on. So it was, you know, that kind of training ground. Uh, uh, was a was a great uh, asset for performers uh, to cross over later. I think that that hasn't really changed. It's just again instead of having to take that train, the train that had mm -hmm. added to the blues beat, you know, that uh, we were bringing from the south. And if you take it to Chicago, now it's that same beat, but it's got that. With that Motown sound and it, it expands and stuff. I think it's a it's a great basis uh, still, and it's also the the how do I put it? If it, if not for the Chitlin Circuit and that kind of training ground, uh, there'd be no hip hop. Hip hop mm -hmm. was uh, uh, built on that foundation that we can take our our like we did with comedy. You take your comedy albums with you on your road, you sell them. Uh, on uh, and the venue, well, they took their music around the country through the back door and created a whole nother genre that they've exported uh, around the world. So I don't know that it's a whole lot of uh, different or that there's a big separation. It's just like it's kind of a uh, become a symbiotic thing where they feed on each other. If I'm making any sense whatsoever. Yeah, well, I mean, I think sometimes, <laughs> I mean, there was a time when you could do Letterman, right? And millions of people saw you from Letterman. Like somebody like Seinfeld would do four minutes on Letterman, and then he could tour the whole world. And now yeah. I know people that have done Fallon six times, and nobody knows or cares <laughs> who they are. Mm. And then I know people who have a podcast that are making $200,000 a, a month mm. on a podcast with a Patreon. You know what I mean? With, with, with subscription level. So it's definitely a different thing, I think, because the gatekeepers who got, in a lot of ways, wouldn't let you in or wouldn't let George in, they're, they're removed out the way, and you have a, there's a direct line to the, to the, to the audience, and they can find you. I think that depends on the, on the performer and what you're looking for. I, I, we have this idea that there is a way to make it. Uh, there is no way to make it. There are uh, for every uh, performer, 
who has made it, they've all f- have, uh, followed their own path. They've all mm-hmm. their own way. They, you know, they got their one big break somewhere and somewhere else. And uh, I, when you talk about stand-ups, stand-ups, we had to determine what it is we're good at, what it is we want. You know, mon- money has never been the motivator for me. It's always been about the art. But mm-hmm. then you have to figure out, are you a, a better writer, performer, mm-hmm. uh, salesman? <laughs> you know, uh, some people are great hustlers and that mm-hmm. is their talent. Yeah. Other people mm-hmm. are, might be great storytellers and they don't have that hustle talent. Yeah. So it depends on the person, what you want, what you get out of it, how you feel about it. And, you know, you you carve your own path. Mm hmm. Am I still in on this conversation? No, no, you're not. No, so let me ask. Okay. All right, before um, I, I wanted you two like y'all, y'all have known each other, George, George and Marsha for how long? Y'all, y'all crossed paths and crossed over forty years. Seven and a purple Lincoln. Oh, okay, nineteen seventy. Okay, okay, tell us, tell us the story. Nineteen seventy-seven, purple Lincoln. What happened, George? What happened? Marsha can tell it better than I can. Marsha, tell it, George started rich okay we started (laughs) george started rich george rich now but then we were poor we was i was out begging people i knew that women always carried food in their purse and so (laughs) when that show was over i would ask the women coming out the club did they have any food in their purse and i i uh, ate good that way. <laughs> One night we were standing out in front of the comedy store and here comes this purple Lincoln and this big man gets out purple pants and t-shirt, hug, body shirt. I, you know, I'm a comedian. We was like, hey, you are friend. You got a car. So <laughs> Dante <laughs> might be on to something. So yeah. go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. So that's how I met George Wallace. And wow. we've been friends since then. Did you get into Lincoln? Uh, not that night. Oh, okay. <laughs> so is it is there a getting the Lincoln story, George? Is there a getting? <laughs> no, it didn't go like that. Well, I, I got to Lincoln. I got to Lincoln when I was working in New York, and I was vice president of the world's largest outdoor advertising agency. Everything at Times Square, the billboards, the spectaculars there. So that's what I was doing. I was making the money that way. That's how I got to Lincoln. But she did get in the car the next night because I had a car. Nobody had a car, so they were hungry. So I had to drive them to the Fat Burger to get some Fat food. Burger. Now, now, um, before, before we came on, Marsha said you had a thirty. You last time she saw you, you were eating a thirty dollar hamburger. Where was yeah, this? I forgot where I was. I, you know, I'm in some. What was I, Marsha? We I, at the cellar. We were working at the cellar. Oh Have yeah, a, I went to I went to a restaurant and I I just thought I would stop. It says burgers and fries. I thought I'd get a burger and I got to my note back and my my check back. It was thirty dollars for the hamburger. So I still have half of that hamburger with me now. Y'all <laughs> <laughs> were. Do y'all Amber roast each there. other? I, I want to get because Lamont and George have a special roasting that they do, and I don't understand where it came from, but it's it's very funny. Uh, <laughs> do, do you roast? Can you roast? Is Marsha Warfield roastable? No, Marsha and I go on stage together a lot of times, and we can talk and just have fun. And uh, you know, she's worked with me before, and it's just wonderful just to have on stage. There's ways that we can roast each other, and, and so no, it doesn't matter. so no, you don't no. roast her. How can I roast her? What can I say? But it's not. Let me, it's, let me tell you something. We were talking about the young lady was talking about man ain't nothing, whatever. Marsha don't pl- on Facebook. Marsha does not 
play. If you are out of pocket on on Marsha's Facebook, you will be diminished and removed. She don't what like you. It, she don't even give three strikes. Am I lying hmm. or what? Well, it depends on how you come at me. If we want to right. have a conversation, we can have a conversation. You can have a point of view. I can have a point of view. We get to the point where we're no longer communicating and there is nothing else to say. Then this conversation needs to end. And right. so don't want the block end. queen. She is the block queen. So I, if they don't want to end it, then they just have to don't. <laughs> so have to don't. It's, you know, it's just like in my house. If you was in my house, and now we just now we y'all taking you in my face and you getting up in there. Well, hey, 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 you can take that outside because this is my house. So that's how I feel about my social media. Yeah. You know, you can have your platform, but you got your own page. Yeah. That's how yeah. you yeah, that's take real. Take your own page. Get All away from facts. But most important, Marsha and I are the type of comedians that we don't like to try to disrespect another comedian or embarrass them in any way as far as roasting. Never, ever. We don't do that, and they don't do that to us because we have that persona where you don't cross a line or you do respect us. So how do you feel about T.I.? T.I., I love what he's doing. He, he's a superstar, and I'm now mentoring him, and I want him to go on stage and do his since thing. When? Is this a joke? This is not a joke. There's nothing wrong with he wanting to do comedy, in my opinion. He can close his show. If he comes to my show, he can close my show. I don't give a damn because I want him to do well. I want him to do well. And, uh, so, 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 so you don't, you don't think, I mean, it's a way to go about it. You don't think that there, there's a way to go about it just because he's a superstar. Cause you wouldn't be mentoring him if he wasn't. I told him to stop saying I'm a superstar because once you get on the coming stage, you're not a superstar. Now you're baby. Now I did tell him that, but that's the etiquette. You're already, I mean, he respects you because of, because of your pedigree, but he respects you because of that. But that's not what he was doing. He came in disrespectful with no work yeah. no etiquette and just three four weeks he was disrespectful he has to learn that's what i told him you're not a superstar you're a superstar in the hip-hop world but you're a baby here you don't know anything I, over here. I said so the now same you gotta thing. learn so he's gotta learn somebody had to teach him that yeah. Somebody had to No, we that. told him that. He just didn't respect us enough to say, mm. you've been doing so it. So it had to be I've George Wallace, rich ass. Right, right. Had you had George to be Wall him yeah. to tell you because... You didn't I'm, have a purple Lincoln. Right, that's what it is. I'm I, I, 21 years doing yeah. it, but I can't tell him nothing because he, 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 he does rap songs. There's a certain level of respect that you... We came in this... I, I, I personally came in this knowing both of y'all with a certain. I remember the first time I met you, met George at Stand Up New York. It yeah. was we used to call him Black Jesus of, of comedy. <laughs> so you, you know, there's a there's a certain respect that you have, and if you don't have totally. that respect, and he didn't have that respect, which which, which was the problem. That's what he's learning happened. him. He's uh, learning him because did. the audience is teaching him. Don't do that. They booed him in Brooklyn. Are y'all saying you ain't gonna buy me and George's rap? Collaboration. <laughs> Hell no. I'm I'm gonna buy whatever you whatever you sell it, Marsha. Okay, we got flow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? I'm, I'm, I feel it. Why Hilarious. not? Yeah. Uh, Lamont, I go back to the point talking about it's a different day. He was talking about earlier social media, what the young kids are doing. I applaud these young kids. It's a new day. It's a new way that they're doing it. Like Marsha said, we had to go through the clubs. We did the Tonight Show. You mentioned Jerry Seinfeld doing the Tonight Show and working for the rest of his life. Well, that was only three stations back then. We didn't have HBO. We didn't have, we didn't have all of these things. So it's different right. now. So these kids are doing even better than we did uh, uh, when we started because they got social media. Yo, what's the name? Country Wayne? 
Nobody knows who he is, but his crowd is millions, it's, millions and millions. millions. People, know, yeah. you know, people know who he is. I, I mean, can, not like not no, not a lot of people don't know who you he don't is. Know just his, just his know. people know. Yeah, his followers know, know who he is. His followers <laughs> know who he is, and they're sure. packing the house out for him. Okay, and that's the name of the game. Put asses in seats, and that's what he's doing. Yeah, mm. always with the business, George. Always with the business. I'm not mad at well, you. Well, that's that's how I made it, and that's how I will continue to make it. It's always with the business. A show, and then there's a business, and I'm making money now. My goal, like Marsha was talking about, my goal was to, uh, if you still see me, my goal was to work Las Vegas. I never knew anything about television and movies. I just wanted to work Las Vegas because I heard that. Jackie Mason and Shecky Green was making $300,000 a year. That's all I wanted to make. And I just love the art, as Marsha said. I don't care about uh, being number one. I teach young kids today, don't worry about being on top of the mountain. Just be on the mountain. Be on your way up the mountain. And that's why Marsha and I have been in it over 46 years. Damn. Okay. All right, Lamont? No, I was just, uh, you know, until George... Until George, you know, you know, had to take his position. You know what I'm saying? No, I was going to ask you, Marsha. We were talking earlier about Kevin Samuels. Not sure if you're familiar with that gentleman or his content. Okay, but where? Uh, where? So, so when you uh, and, and earlier we were talking about men and women in relationships. So when you made your post, when you came out in your 60s on your Facebook page, right. did your dating life improve? Did you did your dating situation improve? Did it get better? Well, people sliding in. Well, Did they slide into DMs on Facebook? I problem. I always talked about, even when I was straight, mm-hmm. uh, how uh, comedians, we never got groupies. We never get nobody. Don't they know? You know. get intimidated. And if you, you say, hi, how you doing? They're like, Don't talk to me. You're going to talk about my mama. I'm like, you know. Uh, so, no, we never got that kind of. In fact, now I want uh, granny groupies. <laughs> I want my granny groupies. I feel like I'm old. You said granny groupies? Granny groupies. Granny. I want hot old ladies waiting for me after the show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not lady. just for the food in their pocketbook. Yeah. In the pocketbook. Yeah. Look at that. You know, but that's a bonus now, you know. <laughs> and and uh, lesbians love big women. So they see me and they like, hey, mama, you, you hungry? And uh, <laughs> I'm like, you know, I could eat, but then um, conversation goes elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I could eat. Stop eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. All right, we got a short period of time left. Um, I was saving this clip for you, George, because you were here. Um, and okay. then you weren't here, and then you came back when when it was too late. But let's play this little clip. And this is for everybody uh, from the latest episode of Atlanta. Last night. morning, graduating class. My name is Robert Shaley. Many of you may not know me, but guess what? I know you. I'm the heir to the pink oil hair moisturizing fortune. And my grandfather, Stommy Banks, built this empire from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Some of y'all out there would have hair as dry as a Texas wildfire if it wasn't for my family. There you go. But despite all I've given you, I still feel like there is more to give. The question's always been, but where do we start? When I met your principal, I was not expecting to hear the words Stonewall Jackson High School. Those words, they brought me back. Back to a time that wasn't always good for me here. And it was at that moment I realized we start at the beginning. That's right. All right. This so was my I, I don't want to keep playing it. 
because uh, y'all could watch That's Atlanta ep- this episode. Yeah, uh, but all that signifying, all that signifying, yeah, the best part comes. Y'all can watch that. All that George signifying, that's George. George wasn't acting. He wasn't no. acting. That's that. That's what he does. That's George Wallace signifying. Just briefly, no, no, no. And we, come Karen, on. We already know this is the best. They said this is the best show that's already been uh, submitted for uh, Emmy. But you should have played me and Kevin talking to the white boy. That would have been mm. the best part of the show. Mm. And um, and it was really what you said. I wasn't acting. I was just. I was just being me, and uh, and, and I, I I had worked with Kevin. I, I known that Kevin had died, but I think I said I know that guy from somewhere. And then last night I'm going, oh, that's him. He died. Yeah. Yo. So I wanted mm. to know, did you know who Kevin Samuels? First of all, because you you know you you're uh you know you're in that stratosphere, George. I didn't know if you knew who Kevin. I Samuels did not was. know him. I did not know him. I worked with him. I was on TV with him last night, and I didn't know that was him until that's last hilarious. night. That's hilarious. Oh, he's dead. Yeah, he dead and gone. Oh my God! Okay, all right. Get the well, bucket. That episode was one of the best on the three seasons. All three seasons: the shooting, the black and white. Um, and you're mm-hmm. doing a lot. You're doing cartoons. You're doing all of these things. Uh, but mm-hmm. you said this is going to be up for an Emmy. This one episode. Yes, already submitted. Yes, yes. This is supposed yes, to be. That the comments last night were, were crazy. Like uh, uh, this is on another level. Yeah. And uh, we did a good job. We had a good time. We had fun. I and then I didn't have lines when the movie started. I had no lines. And they let me take it and go where I wanted to go. Which you Donald did. did. Yes. Oh, yeah, Donald did. Richard Pryor. Yeah. Yeah, well. That was Richard Pryor in Lady Sings of Blues. He was. He had one scene and maybe one line mm-hmm. when he showed up. And he did it so well. He ended up being uh, written the through stop. the stop. Uh-huh. Well, George did his damn thing on this. Um, this well, I'm, no I'm shooting another movie next week with Seinfeld called Untrusted. I hope that I got one through last What is it? I'll get a loop on that, too. Ho- ho- Untrusted slow down. is about. What? What is it? Un, unfrosted by Un, Jerry Seinfeld. Unfrosted? Is that a unfrosted, word? Unfrosted. It's, it's about Pop-Tarts. Oh, unfrosted. Unfrosted. Fro- okay. You got yeah, good looking teeth. They work yeah, in our teeth. No, I got the coconut. I got the coconut. I got the coconut all. I got the coconut all in my mouth. Plus that's because you were eating that damn mouth before you came in. nuts in your mouth, huh? nuts all in your mouth. You got nuts. The nuts in my mouth. Plus next week I'm shooting History of the World Part 2. With Wanda Sykes. So I'm going to LA to do that also. History of the World Part Two with Wanda Sykes. Mel Brooks production. All right. So they're working. Marsha yeah. Warfield, are you are you besides Netflix is a joke? Where are we gonna see you in the world? Nine one one Monday night. Nine one one with uh that's right, with Angela Bassett. She produces that. Yes. Uh are you gonna be on tour? Cause we're gonna we're gonna do a Foolishness Fridays Live. Maybe we're gonna invite you to join us in a city near you. I wanna thank you for being here. Appreciate you. Oh. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.